right, so um, how many of you enjoyed last week? Wasn't that fun? The prophet in the house. That was such a good time. And um, so he was here and he was talking about winds of change. And this is what happens when you have a a prophet that actually carries authority over regions. So when he comes in and he prophesies, the things that he prophesies actually come to pass, not just in the people, but in the atmosphere. So remember, he prophesied that there was coming a um, uh, uh, north wind, and it was a high-pressure system. And, and he said, this wind is about to shift and change things in Dallas. So the day that he was scheduled to go out, he got there at about 6.30 in the morning. And David sat there, literally. His flight got canceled and pushed back. He sat there until almost, what, 10 o'clock at night. And, and it was all due to this um, weird high-pressure uh, system that blew in. Do y'all remember last Monday? It was like gusts of wind and my furniture in my backyard's getting blown all over the place. And I said, well, when you prophesy um, that, you know, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get stuck at the airport. <clears throat> all right, so um, this is what I felt like prophetically the Lord said this morning for today. Um, he said to me, how precious, and this is out of Psalm 36, 7, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, or that is the fatness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasure. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. And so I feel like this morning that the Lord is saying, especially with what I'm going to be teaching on this morning, I felt like the Lord was really saying, listen, there is a fullness of understanding and a fatness in the word this morning. So pay attention to the word of the Lord because he really wants to bless your house so that your house is overflowing, so that your heart is overflowing, so that your spirit man can be overflowing. So um, um, this morning um, is the second part of a three-part series that I'm doing called The Givers. And uh, last week, um, or not last week, but the week before last, in the first installment of it, um, the Lord, uh, this is all out of uh, Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus was speaking to us and talking to um, all of us about how to live a life as a Christian. And he was addressing the shift and, um, and what life would look like under um, life as believers. What it is, how then shall we live? And he said, okay, I'm going to talk to you about this. And the first part, and so um, the givers is basically what he was saying. He was saying to them in summary is, okay, you guys are supposed to be givers, not takers, but you are supposed to give yourselves away. And, um, and so last week we talked about what it is to be a servant leader, what it looks like to give ourselves away in our time and how we, um, how we serve other people and, and what a family of God truly looks like because a family of God are connected to one another. Have you, uh, and we, John and I have a big family. We have seven kids and um and eight grandkids and so with all of these children and grandchildren don't you know that that when we all get together if mama is doing all the work um it's gonna somebody's gonna be in a bad mood and that's gonna be me so everybody in a family 
contributes the gifts and the things that are in them so that not one person um, gets run over by the bus, right? Amen? I mean, every mother in here can agree. And I remember when I was growing up, my dad said, you girls get in the kitchen with your um, mother and help her. And I'm thinking to myself, let's all just get in the kitchen, shall we? (laughs) And uh, one of the things I love about my son-in-law, Jeremy, is that when um, we have Sunday night dinners where um, as a family, we all get together, everybody comes over and, and everybody cooks. And, um, and then the, you know, if somebody will set the table and, and you've got all the girls in the kitchen and, um, or sometimes the guys are grilling or, and everybody does their part. But I love my son-in-law because, um, after dinner, I'll still be sitting at the table, just enjoying the conversation and I can hear the dishes being cleaned. He is already up doing the dishes, right? Amen? Everybody plays their part. And so last week we were just talking about this and what it looks like for a church body. That if we say that we're family, everybody plays a role in the family. So everybody's back with the kids and everybody's uh, vacuuming and I'm, I'm, you know, scrubbing the toilets and emptying the garbage. And, and so nobody is above contributing to the whole. And so that's what we were talking about last week. I thought it was pretty good. Come on. So really, uh, there are four different activities that Jesus said to do to create the foundation of our faith when he was talking about it in the Sermon on the Mount. And faith is really the soil that gives the givers, us, the soil that gives us what we need to really grow. And I think it's very interesting because uh, when Jesus came, he, he began to talk about Uh, how to be a giver, and he began to lay a foundation that was everything opposite that the world teaches that we should be. So it was kind of like, if you want to get ahead, you actually need to go in reverse. What? If you want more, you actually have to become less. If you want to be the greatest, you have to be the least. And so he was teaching us about the kingdom and that the kingdom is opposite of the things of the world. So that's why I love the name of this series. And he said the purpose of this series is to stir up the soul in your life so that you can prosper. Because um, the, the, the um, purpose, I believe, that Jesus, when he came and he said, I want to talk to you about this in the Sermon on the Mount, which was the first sermon that he, that he taught. And he so graciously goes up to a high place so that all of the people who had gathered can hear his voice. And his voice resonates over them as he's teaching them the ways of the kingdom. And it's interesting because everything that Jesus did was to inspire us to love more. It was to um, set us free. So he's speaking words of life that are actually going to unlock the prison cell that we have put ourselves in. And so he knew that he was going to be speaking to people who are gripped with fear and and who are orphans struggling with a spirit of poverty. Have you ever have you have any of you ever spent any time with with orphans? And, and, and the way that their minds and their hearts process 
they, they, um, they're always holding on to things and they're holding on to stuff. They're, they're, because they have a, they have a sense that they'll never have enough because they were poor. And so everything they get, they really hold on to it. And they, 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 they don't know how to share and they don't know how to give away because if they give away, how then will they get? And so um, there's the, everything they do is fear-based. And so Jesus, when he came and he began to speak to us on the Sermon on the Mount, he was addressing an orphan spirit. And so he, he commanded us to do what is opposite and how we, how, we, how we function because we're all orphans. And he begins to say, now, orphans, you need to let go of all of that. And I'm going to require you to give away everything that you're trying to so deeply hold on to. So there are four primary ways that he talked about in Sermon on the Mount, the ways that he wanted us to give and be givers. The first way we talked about last week, which is servant leadership. Today, we're going to talk about money. Yes, we're going to talk about money. Praise the Lord. Y'all go ahead and say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the reason you're saying hallelujah is because you want more money, right? All right. All right. And um, and the third is uh, next week we're going to be talking about prayer and worship. But the fourth thing he talked about was fasting. And um, so uh, the intent of the Father was actually, uh, in Sermon on the Mount, was to um, initiate voluntary weakness. And so he said, I want you to voluntarily agree with me that you are now going to initiate weakness in your own life so that I can be strong through you. Because if you're going to access the kingdom, you've got to learn to be a giver of your entire life. He requires everything because he gave everything, right? Who first gave? Right. He said, we, and we believe in this because he first gave to us. And um, all of this and everything that we're doing with the givers is based in the scripture, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so Jesus said, listen, I'm setting up a, a, uh, a measuring tool. And, and as you give this way, here's what's going to happen. I am going to multiply that back to you. And, and, and when I talked about this the first time, I was talking about multiplication and how God multiplied the church, how he multiplied them. He, and so, so what he's doing for us in every way that we give, he's saying to us, I'm going to multiply that back to you. This um, uh, Luke, Luke 6, 38, Jesus is, is, that's part of the Sermon on the Mount teaching. And so he's saying, listen, I'm setting up a measuring tool for you that as you give, watch closely because I am also going to give. So um, why don't we look at what um, the word says about um, giving away. So he says, basically, the four things that he's talking about when he says to give away in the Sermon on the Mount, it all has to do with time. Um, 
and, 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 and the time that we give away and how we give ourselves away equates to time. And, and how do we, what do we ta- think about time? What do we say in America? Time is money, right? So uh, this morning I want to talk about money because um, I don't know about you, but um, this was the primary way that, that the Lord got my heart. And it's the primary way that he um, got my faith and he increased me in faith. And it's the primary way that he increased um, um, my trust of his leadership. So um, how many of you would honestly say that you struggle with fear in, in the area of money? Okay, that's awesome. And I think the rest of you are probably not telling the truth. Because it is huge. It is huge. And, and um, so the way that Jesus set this up is he actually talked more about money than he did. Um, he talked about more about finances and money than he did prayer. And, and y'all know, I teach about prayer all the time. I never talk about money. I never talk about money. But I felt like the Lord was saying to me, you are not teaching the full counsel of God. Because I want my people to, to have abundance, and I want their houses to be overflowing with the fatness of all that is available to them. And so really, I mean, honestly, I'm just really sorry that I haven't taught on this because I feel like there's so much error and misunderstanding because when it comes to money, people get really funny. It's like they, it, there's so much mistrust with, with pastors and, and, and how I believe that a lot of, uh, or not a lot, a very few um, in, 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 the, in the church have misused money. But I'll tell you something, from, from what I've seen and what I know, the majority of the church steward money really well. And they are not getting rich on it. And I, we are not in this for your money. We are in this to serve God and to love you. And that's really the heart of what I've seen in the church. And that should really give us so much hope for what God has for us as we align ourselves with the truth of his word. And so I just wanted to say that to you. Um, there, was a, there was a missionary um, in Mexico, and he was, he was uh, serving the indigenous people um, in the mountains of Mexico. And, um, and they are so dirt poor. They had nothing. And so for two years, he preached the gospel to them. And the Lord broke in and he said, you haven't taught them the full word. You haven't taught them the full counsel of my word. And, and he said, well, Lord, I don't understand. I've, I've, I've covered just about everything from A to Z. Um, and he said, um, well, he said, you haven't taught them about tithing. And he said, well, they don't have any money. And the Lord came in and he said, exactly. And so if you wake up in the middle of the night with a gut bomb and you, uh, or wake up and, and, and the spirit of fear, I mean, you know what that's like, you know, you, you just all of a sudden fear hits you and you're thinking about and you're, and, and you're mulling things over in your mind in the area of finances. I'm telling you, this message is for you. 
because here's, here's my objective today. I want to kick that demon out of your life. I want to give you freedom so that you never have to, to be afraid about whether you're going to have enough, and that you're going to tap into the abundance of heaven, and you're going to learn how to pull money down from heaven instead of trying to, to, to save and scrimp. And not that it's not good and wise to be a good steward, but I'm telling you, God said, don't worry about what you eat or drink. I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to show you today how to tap into that, all right? All right, so um, let's talk about tithe and offerings, okay? So uh, so God is, is really, why does he talk about money so much? Because he knows that our hearts are connected to it. Because money is seductive. Because where your money is, that's where your heart is. You can actually open up your checkbook, and you can see where your, where your heart is, you know? Um, my heart used to be at the mall. I mean, dang, that was so much fun. I loved going and spending money. I wouldn't even look at price tags. And um, so I had a little bit of a problem, and, um, and money was really my God. And that's, uh, for, for the majority of us, that's, that's really the truth, you know, if you want to get honest. I remember, um, and, and the power and the influence that money it has attached to it in the world has caused us to be constantly seeking after more money. How many of you guys remember that movie Scarface from the 80s with Al Pacino? Remember what he said? He said, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the woman. I mean, let's be honest. That's what we all think. Well, not the ladies. <laughs> but, I mean, that's really, and especially in Dallas. I mean, this is a spirit over this city that is so incredibly powerful. I remember when I used to uh, live in the park cities, and, and it's even more powerful over there. You know, just the constant focus on, on, um, on finances and on money. Um, but again, uh, where your money is, that's where your heart is. And so um, God is after changing us from being orphans into being sons because sons truly trust their father. I love the story about, um, uh, that, that Heidi tells about when the orphans first come into her home. And, um, and they're, they're just gripped with fear, you know. They don't understand how to live. And, um, and they... Uh, so, so what she says to them is that you can, you don't have to ask for a Coke, just go get it. You know, this is, this is your home. This is your house. But she said it takes them about six months to a year to get out of that, that heart posture of an orphan that they don't even feel comfortable living in their own home and realizing that in the father's house, everything is provided. And that you have access to everything that you need in the Father's house. So one of the things that I do want to deal with is I want to deal with a couple of lies in the area of tithing. So we're going to go through the word and we're going to look at this. Because I've heard it said that um, because Jesus came... um, the tithe is no longer, you, you no longer have to actually tithe and bring your tithe into the church or into the storehouse. So, so basically what you're saying in essence is that now that, um, that Jesus came and set us free, 
from the law, uh, God's uh, uh, priests don't have to be supported. You don't have to support uh, the church. I mean, that's that's basically what we're saying there. If, if you boil it all down, right? And um, but that actually is not what happened because um, when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. And so as he came to fulfill the law, he said, listen, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour grace on your money. And, and, and this is going to be an incredible ability for you to, to, um, to have wealth in your life. So there's going to be even more abundance because Jesus came because of your obedience. So turn in your Bibles to um, Malachi. And, and all of you, if you've been in the church for any uh, period of time, you've, of course, already been to Malachi. Um, but go to Malachi 3. And if you don't have a Bible, you can digitally look it up. Of course, I can't see on my phone. I can't read Scripture. It's just like, could I get, can I get 32 font on my phone? <clears throat> All right, chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? So the people of the land are going, what are you talking about? In what way have we robbed you? We don't understand what you're saying. In tithes and offering, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even the whole nation bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there you may have you there may be food in my house try me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there ha- will not be room enough to receive it and i will rebuke the devourer on your for your sakes that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the lord of hosts and all nations will call you blessed for you will Will be a delightful land. Let me tell you something. It is time. It is time. It is time for the church to quit being beggars. It is time for us to stop being the ones that don't have any money. But it's time for the church to be the wealthiest people in the land. But the Lord will not bless us very clearly. He will not bless us and our vats will not be overflowing unless we begin to understand this. And we begin to apply it in our lives. Jeremy was saying the other day, he was talking about, um, who was that guy that gave away the Facebook guy? Okay, Zuckerberg gave away how much? $25 million to the Ebola thing that's going on in Africa. And Jeremy just said, man, his heart was just cut. And he said, why is this not the church? Why isn't the church so incredibly wealthy that we're giving this away? Right? Amen. I want to do that. I want to be the one that has the financial solution to the ailments of the, of the, of the day. I want to be the one that goes and begins to start businesses in, in, for missionaries so that they can support themselves and all of the people that get saved. I mean, how amazing would that be? Um, and it's interesting, the, the language that he uses, because he says, will a man rob God? That is not a good idea. And so when Jesus came, he actually talked about the tithe 
And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to um, Matthew 23. Because a lot of people say, oh, no, there's not the tithe now that we just all just give however, whatever. But that's actually not true. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew 23, 23. Give me a whoop when you're there. All right. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, all right? So he's talking about the tithe. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, meaning uh, that you need to do both. You need to not just tithe, but you also need to give into the matters of justice. Meaning, um, and it says in Isaiah uh, 117, he said, listen, if you don't, if, 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 I will not hear your prayers if you don't care for the orphans and the widows. So he says, not only here, Jesus is saying, listen, you've done well in your tithing, so you understand, but you actually have neglected the widows and the orphans. You've actually neglected to to, to, uh, give into the issues of justice. So giving is the same. A lot of people think um, wrongly that giving is the same as tithe. And um, so a lot of people think, well, I'll just, you know, give wherever I want to give, and I'm not going to actually give my tithe into the storehouse and then give over that or give into the church. And I'm going to just be straight up. That's a spirit of control and manipulation. Basically, what you're saying is that I'm going to be in charge. I'm not going to trust the leadership that God has put over me. I'll trust them with my soul, but I'm not going to trust them with my money. And so um, bringing the, he's saying bringing the tithe into the storehouse, what it does is it allows the leadership that, you, that loves you, who cares for you, and who teaches you then to distribute the funds accordingly. And then if there is something you want to do, John and I have a lot of missionaries that we support uh, beyond the tithe. And so, um, and it's, it's so much fun to be able to pray and say, God, where else do you want us to, to distribute your money? Because, you know, it really is all his, right? And, I mean, we have the pleasure of, of as, as a church, of supporting uh, missionaries. I mean, we give away, um, and last year we, we uh, gave away 15%. And we were so excited about that. We were like, we gave over the tithe and, 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 and it was, it was such a, a blessing. And it was something we didn't even mean to do. It's just every time there's a need and every time, you know, we're just generously giving away money. You know, I mean, anybody that has a need and either in the body, but anybody, missionaries who have a need or people that come through here that have a need, we love giving money away. So, so you are a very generous church. And I just want you to know that. We actually have uh, not only a um, we only not only have elders, but we also have a finance committee that meets um, regularly and just decide, looks over the money to make sure that everything is um, that it, the plumb line is in the money and that there's truth there and um, we're being good stewards and and wise stewards of our money. Amen. So, um, basically, um, have y'all ever heard of Lance Wall now? You know how he talks about the seven mountains of influence? 
And um, so you've got the mountains of government, you've got the mountains of um, uh, the church, you've got the arts and entertainment and so on. And, and, um, and it's interesting to me that as a church um, that we will give our money um, to the different mountains. But when it comes to the church, it's like we kind of have this thing where we think it, the money doesn't go there. But yet Jesus himself said, when asked about taxes, what he said, well, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And so I'm, I'm continually just cut to my heart about, about not robbing God of what he said. Because he loves his priests. He says in um, Galatians 6, 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Let us not grow weary while sowing this seed. For in due season, we will reap a harvest. We will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, we have opportunity. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Especially to the priests who have laid down their lives. And I'll tell you, beloved, I am yours. I'm yours. John and I are yours. God gave us to you. Jeremy is yours. Anne Marie. The whole, the, everybody here. And I will guarantee you that nobody here is looking to cash in on this deal. But we're yours. And I really want you to think about that. That we, that we, um, We've given ourselves to serve and to bless and to encourage and to, um, to make it our business before God that, that, that you receive the fullness of, of the gifts of his presence, of the fire, of, of the love, of everything that he has. And we've laid ourselves between the porch and the altar saying, God, bless this house. Bless the families in this house. Bless the money in this house. Bless the relationships and the health. And so just like with Sydney, how we've been praying and contending and not giving up that she would be healed, that the, that the Spirit of the Lord moved and he heard our prayers. Why? Because there was a family that said, I'm going to lock shields with this family to see that the, the prayer that they've been crying out for is answered. Why? Because we are invested in one another. I'm invested in you. You're invested in me. You're invested in everybody in this room. Amen? So there's a principle in, in kingdom um, sowing, and it's really the first and the best. So God gave his first um, born son and, and basically his best and perfect son. 
So giving first fruits, what it does is it actually sanctifies those first fruits and it actually empowers the first fruits. I love what um, Jason Hooper said. He said, uh, tithing is basically like putting chicken wire around your garden. Because what it does is it keeps all those grub worms out, right? And he said, and, and, and he said in Malachi, listen, if you do this, if you bring in the tithe, what happens is it keeps all your stuff from, from breaking down, getting stolen. It keeps the thief out of your garden, right? Now, the, the giving over and above that, here's what it does. It actually is your place of increase where the seed actually begins to produce a harvest, Right? And so um, the Lord tells us um, for first fruits, He tells us in Matthew 6, He said, Listen, seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all else will be given to you. So He's saying, Do this first. And so uh, uh, for John and I, the tithe is like a no brainer. We don't even think about it. But we've had a lot of friends who have, um, they eat their seed. And they eat the tithe, and they struggle in the area of money. And um, it's very interesting because some people have a lot of money, but yet they never have enough. Hold on. Cotton mouth. I did say it, and I didn't smoke a, a, a marijuana cigarette beforehand. <laughs> Remember those days? <clears throat> B.C. before Christ. <clears throat> so anyway. All right, focus, first fruits. So anyway, so here's the thing about the budget. <clears throat> the the tithe is taken right out the front or right off the top. John and I, do, we, don't, we don't ever eat the seed. We don't ever eat the seed because we know we want to harvest. You know, John's a farmer, so he kind of knows about how this works. Right, baby? Um, and so we don't want to get to harvest time and go, wow, we don't have a harvest because whoo, that seed was good. It wasn't actually a whole lot of money, but we went ahead and consumed that too. And um, so, so uh, we had this couple that came to us, and they, they said, you know, we are really um, struggling financially. And it's like no matter what we do or how hard we try, we can't get ahead. And, and it's killing us. Our hearts, we're so mad at God because his word said that, that we didn't have to ask for what we need. And so they were, they were really wrestling this out. And they were offended at God. And so we said, all right, well, let's do this. Let's pray. Let's go to heaven. Because there's a treasury room in heaven. How many of you have been there? Okay. You, you, you got to navigate, navigate the, the realms of heaven. There are actually, there is a room in heaven where you can go and you can get your money. I've been there a lot of times. I go, I, I get my money, get it out, bring it to the earth. You got to know how to bring on, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, right? So I go get my money and, um, and bring it down to earth. And then within a couple of days, maybe sometimes a week or 10 days, it appears. And, um, and it's supernatural. It's kind of weird, but it works. Anyway, uh, so, um, so I said, let's go to heaven and look, let's see what's going on in this treasury room. So... So they were kind of like, uh, okay. Um, it's because they'd never done that before. Right? Right. I'm a son, and in my father's house are many rooms, and I get to go to those rooms, right? 
So we go to the room in heaven, and I see this room, and it this thing is not only shut, there's actually pieces of wood that have been nailed into this door. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you saying about this, about this room for this couple? And um, all of a sudden, this envelope, gold envelope appeared, and it had their name on it. And inside was an invitation. And the invitation said that it was an invitation to tithe. And so I thought, oh, I get to tell them this. So very gently, um, I said, well, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. This is what he showed us. And she came back and was so upset because she said, no, I've tried that. It doesn't work. And John just said, you know, the word of God does not fail ever. The word of God is true. And we can trust him in this because the word says over and over and over, what you give will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and pouring over. And so there is a promise in the word, Malachi. He's the only place in the Bible where he says, test me and see if I won't do this. So they said, uh, they got home that night, and they called us on uh, Monday afternoon, and they said, we have a testimony we want to share with you, because we got home that night, and we said, we're going to take this as a word of the Lord. And, and they prayed the next day when they went to church. They don't, they're, they're not members here. Um, they prayed when they went to church, and they said, okay, we're going to write the first check that we've written in years. And, um, the next day, he goes to work, and his boss calls him in his office and gives him a raise. And so what did that do? It broke the curse that was on unrighteous mammon. It broke the curse that was on unrighteous money. And I've seen that happen over and over and over. Um, the Lord says that the tithe is holy. In Leviticus, it says, nevertheless, no devoted offering that a man may devote to the Lord of all that he has, both man and beast, or field of his possession shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted offering is most holy to the Lord. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. And so he's saying that this place of first fruits, you have to see it and you cannot consume it. It's not for you. The Lord is very clear and he says, this is mine. And if you will be obedient and be a cheerful giver saying, thank you, Lord, that I have the privilege to support what you have ordained in this city, that you let me bring my tithe into the storehouse. And I praise you, God, for that. I thank you, God, that you've given me the ability to create wealth. And, 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 and there's nowhere in the word where he says uh, anybody gets to get out of this program. Now, when I was an unbeliever, you know, I didn't tithe. 
Now that I'm a believer, I actually get to invest my money in the kingdom and get a tremendous return from heaven, which means what? Which means what? It means that now I have access to the treasury of heaven, that that door is now open to me, and that any time I need to make a withdrawal, I can pull that money down. Paul says in Philippians 4, I, I, I pray that you would give, and he said, it's not for me, but that the fruit would abound to your account. So there is an account that God has over your life. And he said, I'm keeping count of this because it says that God will not be deceived, nor will he be mocked, which is why Jesus stood over the line in the the New Testament, in the Gospels, and he watched how much money everyone put in. And he said to the woman with the, with the widow's might, and he said, this woman has put in more than all of the others because she gave out of her weakness. And so she got on the plan with voluntary weakness, and she gave what she didn't even have, and it came at a cost. And he said, forever her name will be written in heaven because she understands. My kingdom is a kingdom of wealth, says the Lord. It is wealth. It is a a cattle on a thousand hills. You cannot, you cannot hold on to your lack when he's trying to move you into participating in his abundance. This is a good word for us. It is a good word. We should be the wealthiest people on the earth. So God promises increase and multiplication. And he said, wow, this comes with a promise. He says in Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with your the first fruits of your increase so that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Woo! Wine, come on. Yeah, amen is right. I want to tell you a great story. Uh, do y'all have time for one more testimony? All right. Um, we all want to live supernatural lives. And the bottom line is you cannot work your way into this. And I would much rather, um, instead of striving and worrying and being filled with anxiety in the area of, of money, I would really much rather let him do all the work for me. <laughs> Just saying. So uh, one year, like, uh, I guess it was about 10 years ago, um, John and I were praying on a New Year's Eve, and we were worshiping the Lord and praying. There's no better way to ring in the New Year, by the way, than prayer and worship. And um, we were just asking the Lord what he wanted to do in the area of our money because we had, we had, we have all these prophetic words about incredible wealth. How many of you have words of incredible wealth? Raise your hand. We actually, I don't know if you know this, but um, this house, it's been prophesied by every international prophet that has come to this house saying that this house is going to be filled with millionaires. And it's not that he's bringing millionaires from the outside. And, and we, he may do that. Uh, let me just, I don't want to hold that back, but I don't want to speak that. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. So anyway, um, but I, I'm looking at the millionaires. 
I'm looking at the people that, that are supposed to be having the inventions, the ones that are supposed to be uh, making music that the whole world listens to, the ones that ha- are supposed to be making the art, the creative ideas, uh, creative solutions, uh, new businesses. And they said that this is going to come out of this house. And that's why this word today is so important because I, I am invested in you seeing the promises of God and the purposes for your life fulfilled. Because you are called to sow into kingdom, to, to the kingdom, to advance the kingdom because there's coming a great um, shift where the wealth of the wicked are being poured out into the hands of the righteous. And you want to be known in heaven as someone who has stewarded the money wisely. And this is the primary way to do it. And so the Lord one year was telling John and I, um, and both of us felt it, that we were supposed to start giving double of what we were tithing. And so uh, John, his, his, on his job, he's on a commission-type situation. And um, so we said, uh, awesome, yes, we can't wait. That, that, that just really excites us that we can give twice as much as, as we were already giving. And this is the tithe. This is not giving over the tithe. And um, so that next month came along, and um, um, John got his check, and his check was half of what we needed to pay our bills. Hallelujah. So, but the word to, to, to tithe double, and we're thinking, oh, okay, if we give double, when we have half of what we need to pay all of our bills, um, that leaves us with no money, basically, with very, very little money. So um, we prayed, and we said, well, um, don't you know that when the Lord calls you to step out in faith, the enemy is going to come and give you a test? So we said, all right, well, let's, let's do it. We wrote the check before we ever even went to church. And we said, you know, um, Thank you, Lord. We laid hands on the check, and we just said, thank you, Lord, for this provision. Pray that you would sow it into your kingdom, and it would produce a great harvest. <clears throat> so that night, um, uh, we, so we went to church, um, and then that night, um, I was looking at Samuel, and he was nine years old at the time. And um, his pants were, like, at his ankles, like, above his ankles, and it was January, so it was winter. And I was thinking, wow, he really needs another pair of jeans. And Ashley had actually bought him this pair, and they were kind of metro grayish color. And, and, and so I thought, well, you know, um, I'm not sure when we can afford it. We're like on DEFCOM 5. Um, so I said, Samuel, go take your jeans off. And it was the only pair that he had. And so I said, take your jeans off. I'll wash them and dry them for school tomorrow. So um, we go to bed. I, I threw the jeans in the dryer before I went to bed. Go to bed. The next morning, I get up, and Samuel's getting ready for school, and I go to get his jeans out of the dryer, and lo and behold, there are two pairs in there. Now, I was like, look, and I looked again, and I pulled them out, and they were the exact same pair of jeans that I had put in there except they were one size um, uh, bigger and uh, with no price tag. But the exact same pair, which, by the way, the store didn't even carry anymore. And so I'm, I'm looking at this in my mind, and I'm like, did somebody leave my house without any pants on in the middle of the night? 
Um, so I had all of these. There were there was nothing in the dryer. There was nothing. So I've got this brand new pair of of size tens, and then his old with the hole in them size eights. And I'm holding these two pair of jeans up, freaking out. Now, what just happened to me was that I had tapped into the supernatural abundance of the Lord. I didn't even pray for a new pair of pants. But he heard the cry of a mother that said, oh, my boy doesn't have clothes to wear. And he said, watch this. This is how I'm going to make the fishes and the loaves multiply right in front of you. And that month, what happened is that we did not miss one bill. And we had enough food, even food left over at the end of the month. Now, I can't tell you how that happened. I can't say because, because mathematically it doesn't work. Because we know how much money we spend. We have a budget. We live on the budget sometimes. <clears throat> but then, I mean, we were really living. We knew where every penny was spent. And I'm telling you, just money just began to appear. How many of you have had that happen where money just appears out of nowhere? All right. I want more of that. I want more of the abundance. I want more of the overflow. I want more of the favor with your bosses. I want you to get raises. I want you to be able to be president of the company that you're working for. I want you to be the one that they come up to and say, what is your creative solution for this? Oh, by the way, we're going to give you your own business. We're going to spin off a whole other department and create a whole new business. We're going to let you run it. And by the way, we're going to give you a bonus every year off of the profits. I mean, it goes, it's endless how this thing is going to go. Amen? So, the tithe, where do you bring it? What do you do over the tithe? You give. You give. You cannot outgive God. Amen?